a long time ago on a spinner rack far, far away. The Comic Book Time Machine presents Marvel's Cosmic Comics, exploring Marvel's licensed sci-fi and fantasy during the Star Wars period. Episode 82, Ben's Bullpen Bulletin for August 1978, featuring Devil Dinosaur and Machine Man, issues number 5. Hello and welcome to another episode of Marvel's Cosmic Comics, a comic book time machine project where we go through Marvel's licensed sci-fi books, that's science fiction and fantasy and all those other things that aren't superhero stuff that was licensed by Marvel during the time period that they were also licensing Star Wars. So that's 1977 to 1986. I'm Ben, Ben Avery, and I'm a comic book reader, a comic book collector, uh, although my collection is worth pretty much nothing. And I'm also a comic book writer and um, and a comic book podcaster. This is my comic book reading journal, I guess, in some ways, as I'm cataloging all these issues. But uh, this, this is the final segment then for August of 1978. Now I'm going by cover dates, not by street dates, but... Uh, for August 1978, uh, this is the final final bit, and in this part, I basically go over a couple books that are related to the Marvel sci-fi licensed books, but that aren't actually licensed. These are books that Marvel published because Marvel commissioned them in-house. And along with that, um, I also go through the ads and stuff. And you know, this the ads were not all that impressive. Uh, there was. Let's see what do we have here. Uh, a universal bodybuilding ad. There was a park rider skateboard ad. Another grit ad. Another satisfy your meat tooth uh, slim Jim ad. There was a sugar daddy, sugar baby, sugar mama contest in conjunction with Burger King. Um, the only thing notable about that, I already noted last time around, I didn't know there was a sugar mama candy. <laughs> Very curious about that. I hate sugar daddies. I think I talked about that last time around too. Um, there was in one of the comics. Now, now they don't always do the same ads in, on every single page in each individual comic. And so one of the comics that I was reading this month had a an ad for superhero action figures, but they called them 12-inch or 8-inch dolls. Uh, superhero dolls, but dolls. Yeah, no, they're not dolls. They're action figures. Action figures, sir. Um and this month again, there was that four-page Clark Bar contest where you could get, you could win like a tour of the offices and get yourself in a, a comic. And it was a, a joint thing between uh, Clark Bar and Marvel and DC. Um, there's some, you know, your various flea market pages. There's one cool ad though. It was a uh, an ad that was divided into five parts, but the, the the page was divided like a pie, not like in, into squares or rectangles. And it was basically an ad for their five team books that they had. Uh, there was Avengers and Fantastic Four and Defenders 
and X-Men and Invaders. And I thought that was really cool looking. Again, this was not in every single comic that I read this month, um, but it was in, in one of them. Um, the hostess ad for these issues was Spider-Man meets the home wrecker again. There's an ad for fishing kits. Uh, there was an ad uh, for Spalding. It was Dr. J and uh, uh, Rick Barry, and it was one of those comic book ads. Uh, really, there's there is not a lot going on here. The, the only other thing of note, and it's something I guess I could cover, but I'm I'm not going to because I don't think I'll be able to find this in any affordable way. But they were promoting big time their Marvel Super Special that features the Beatles, which yeah, that's that's kind of cool. I'd be interested in, in reading that. Uh, yeah, so from there, I mean, really, the only other stuff this month is is Devil Dinosaur and, and Machine Man. And so, yeah, Machine Man had some stuff going on, but it was, you know, I, I'm not enjoying Machine Man as much as I was when it was back in 2001. And I'm definitely not enjoying Machine Man as much as I enjoyed the first seven issues of, of 2001. Uh, the cover copy just mentions that the, there's a non-hero. You know, the title of the book is actually, or the, the issue, uh, the, the story is non-hero. You know, this is that Jack Kirby thing. He's, he's the writer. He's the editor. He's the illustrator. And it starts out with a street fight with plenty of exposition. And uh, Machine Man is fighting the alien robot 10-4. And 10-4, even though he's probably not going to win this fight he has summoned his galactic fleet of friends of other you know these alien robot things and uh they're coming now and in the dialogue as they're fighting 10-4 calls machine man a traitor to machines calls him mr obsolete uh and then they the fight gets stopped by some soldiers and 10-4 tricks the soldiers into thinking machine man is the one who's disturbing the peace disrupting the peace and, you know, of course, this does not, you know, Machine Man is already feeling persecuted. He's feeling put upon. Uh, and when the soldiers believe uh, that Ten uh, Four at his word, uh, even though the soldiers take him in, take in Ten Four, Machine Man, he, he won't have any of this. He's out of there. So he leaves and he's upset and he escapes and goes, he ends up thinking on top of a building and nearby in a nearby building, they're having a costume party and he ends up joining them at the costume party. And they, you know, this is where we kind of have some fun with some of the ideas that I think Jack Kirby was toying with of, you know, Machine Man being the machine next door. You know, as he's he's partying and, uh, you know, people are kind of being bullies or being, you know, rude. And um, he's he's being passive aggressive with them and, and still tricking them to thinking that he's just a really athletic guy. They do call him Star Wars, and as he is interacting with them, he talks about, you know, there's a galactic fleet that's going to destroy their planet, and they're, you know, it's far out, man. But they, there is one girl who sees through him, and the reason she sees through him is she's uh, paying attention to the news. And on the news, they've been, they put on an APB for him. And so she actually takes him to another room and turns on the TV and talks with him about what's going on and kind of believes him. And uh, then, you know, he has some angst and there's some melodrama about why should he help them. And and he gets frustrated. You know, he is not only going to help them, but, um, you know, he, you know, curse man that they would create someone like me that would, you know, have these angsty times. <laughs> and he, but in, in the end, he has to go. Uh, he, he knows what he has to do. And in the meantime, the fleet is preparing for an all out assault. And next issue 
quick trick. I, I don't know what that is. I don't know what quick trick means. It's certainly not something that's going to get me excited about the next issue. Uh, you know, the alien fleet, that gets me a little bit excited about the next issue, but quick trick, uh, not so much. That sounds like a, a failed G.I. Joe figure. Maybe it's Quick Kick's uh, lesser known cousin or something like that. Uh, anyway, uh, the machine mail where the letter column would be is another essay by Jack Kirby. There's the, you know, in those essays, more and more, it's feeling like he's got these big ideas, but they just aren't quite there as far as uh, thoughtfulness. Uh, because he, he he's getting to the big idea of, you know, basically an arms race. You know, we're going to get machine men eventually. And these machine men are going to do our, our tasks, our menial tasks. But then when our neighbor does something we don't like, you know, what are we going to do when he has a machine man too? And our neighbors then have machine men that are going to be at each other's throats and we're just going to let them fight it out and it's going to be okay because they're just machine men and we'll make more right and it just you know he he has a point about the arms race he has a point about escalation uh but the point that he's kind of missing and maybe this is because back then when you would think of robots you were thinking of them in human shapes uh and, and that anthropomizes them more uh, so, you know, androids like Future Cop, a TV show that was on back then and, and different things like that where, you know, the robots looked like people. And that was the idea was they were acting like people as they looked like people. And then you also had like C-3PO and, and things like that. But you also had R2-D2 who did not look uh, very robotic. and uh, But it wasn't until, you know, later where you had them really trying to create non-humanoid looking robot creations that could still emote uh in a human enough way like short circuit you know um and so and short circuit actually kind of is this machine man model of you know creating these robots that could just uh you know carry a bomb up you know the streets of moscow you know without having to drop a bomb you would drop this guy and he would just kind of crawl along on his on his tank treads or whatever but um this idea here, it's it's a big idea, and I can kind of see where he's coming from. I just don't follow him the whole way through on this one, where he's he's talking about this this arms race where it doesn't matter because we're just going to use them and abuse them and then discard them and just let them let them fight it out or whatever. Yeah, but they're not alive, and and that's the one big thing that he's missing is those machines that he's talking about, the machines that are coming, and and, and maybe this is the problem is is his future vision anthropomorphizes them and causes them to be human-ish, if not humanoid. Uh, they then, because they are, you know, sentient you know we we shouldn't do that and and i would agree with that if they were sentient we shouldn't just be creating them and discarding them and you know making them fight it out until they die actually the c3po episode that i did on give me those star wars we talked about those c3po one shot and it was all about this idea and it kind of does so in in a little bit better way a little more sophisticated way than what Jack Kirby is is actually doing here. And I think he is trying to be sophisticated, and I think he is trying to, you know, be a futurist here. Uh, it just, I don't know, it, it just feels a little too flat for me. And this whole issue, it, I, I guess the, the, the party stuff I like, 
uh, it's the angst, the constant angst. And maybe that's just the Marvel thing. You know, you want, you know, the thing, specifically, a Marvel thing. He is angsty and just, you know, oh, I'm a monster or I'm a man, blah, blah, blah. And Machine Man is doing the same kind of thing here. But, you know, I'd like him... I'd like to see some some growth beyond that, and maybe we will. Maybe we will. I don't know. I don't know where this is going. Uh, we'll find out. I just know that Jack Kirby is going to stop working on the book soon, and when Jack Kirby stops working on the book, I'm going to stop reading the book. I'm, I'm done with Machine Man after that, and I believe it happens at the same time as Devil Dinosaur. We'll find out, although strictly speaking, by the rules of time travel, I shouldn't know this stuff that I'm talking about right now, but... Um, you know, this is me going back in time. So I, maybe I'm not breaking the rules because I'm going back in time from 2016 to 1978 and picking up these books. And so why wouldn't I know about it? Why wouldn't I know my target, you know, and, and, and what's happening there? But um, anyway, as I as I start, as I continue this, I'm not enjoying Machine Man as much as I thought I would. Each issue kind of my, my enthusiasm uh, wanes a little bit. On the flip side of that, Devil Dinosaur, with each issue, my, enthousia- my enthusiasm uh, grows a little bit. And, you know, it's funny that it would do that, even though I've already read this. Uh, Machine Man, I've never read before. But Devil Dinosaur, I have. I've, I've read this essential, or the, the omnibus, I should say, the hardcover omnibus, before. And the issue that I just read uh, for, for this Comic Book Time Machine episode is actually one of the highlights that I remember from my reading of Devil Dinosaur. And the, the title of the story is Journey to the Center of the Ants. And it's a very simple, simple story. Moon Boy has been captured by aliens. And he wants to know where Devil Dinosaur is. And the, the aliens are getting ready to do mean, nasty, experimental things to him. And he wonders more about where Devil Dinosaur is. And when he hears disruptions outside the alien spaceship, he wonders... If that's Devil Dinosaur. And surprise, surprise, it is. Of course, he doesn't know that because he's still on the alien ship. That's Moon Boy's um, character arc for this issue. Meanwhile, Devil Dinosaur is out there with White Hair and Stonehand, two other uh, cave people. And they are getting attacked by aliens. And they lead the aliens to the Tower of Death which is a giant, craggy, pointy tower thing. And they're, uh, they're like, inside the tower are swarms of giant ants because the Tower of Death is a giant ant hill, uh, you know, which it's, it's prehistoric times, so that, that's okay, right? That, that could happen. And they go in, they break down some walls, they bring down the Tower of Death, they bring down the Ant Hill, and it takes out some aliens and releases the ants on the other aliens, and uh, it wounds Devil Dinosaur, and there's our cliffhanger. Devil Dinosaur laying on the ground with the Tower of Death on him, and ants going after aliens. And you know what? As simple as it is, it's just... it's. It's a visual piece. It's it's a visual feast. It's it's something that I look forward to reading, but I'm not really looking forward to reading. I'm looking forward to looking. And the story carries me along from visual to visual, but I'm okay with that because the visuals are so dynamic. And Machine Man has a lot of 
beats to get through, story beats, character beats, all these things that Jack Kirby kind of has to wade through to get to the visuals. But there's there's so much else going on that the visuals don't have an opportunity to get as awesome. Whereas with Devil Dinosaur, he, you know, he have the you have the inside of this spaceship. It can look like whatever Kirby wants it to look like, and so there is Kirby Tech and Kirby Crackle all over the place, and it's really really cool. Uh, I am a latecomer to the appreciation of Jack Kirby. I appreciated him for who he was historically in comic books, but I didn't appreciate him for what he could do in comic books and in the comic book storytelling uh, form. And with Devil Dinosaur, with 2001, with some of Machine Man, I really do appreciate it. That said, as I said before, I'm not going to pursue a lot more from him because, you know, there's only so much of the storytelling that I can actually take. And Machine Man is kind of pushing that limit where, you know, it's kind of, you got that nice balance uh, Machine Man pushes the limit for me, but then Devil Dinosaur pulls me back in and says, it's okay. It's okay. You're going to get Kirby stuff. It's going to be awesome. So speaking of Kirby Crackle, I've got some crackling going outside of my house right now, and I think I'm going to go ahead and wrap this up. Uh, I did promise, if anyone cares, uh, looking for a theme for this month. I think the theme it has to do with home. Uh, that's the running through line of all the things that I read here. Uh, Machine Man is trying to find a home. Um, Devil Dinosaur and Moon Boy's home has been invaded. Star Wars, Luke, Leia, Han, and Chewie, and the droids, they helped some people retake their home. And Man from Atlantis was searching for his home. Uh, Human Fly... Uh, human fly, uh, yeah, his, his manager found a new home. It was a work home, but it was a home nonetheless. Um, trying to think here for Godzilla. He's protecting home, but I think home is the through line here. Oh, oh, of course. John Carter, Warlord of Mars. He went home. It all, it all comes together. Home is where these comics led us. And I returned home, read the comics, and now I'm going to put them back in the vault, and I'm going to go back in time one more trip, this time to see books that are going to be cover date, was it, September 1978. Looking forward to that. Uh, there is a special thing coming up. John Carter, Warlord of Mars, annual number two, will get its own episode Last time I interviewed Marv Wolfman, I don't know if I'm going to be doing another interview for this or if I'll just try and find a guest to come on and talk about John Carter, Warlord of Mars. But that's that's coming up. And other things coming up, I'm hoping to do some more coverage of Star Wars modern graphic novels. And I'm also looking at the modern iterations of ROM and Micronauts, thinking about covering those. Not sure. Those fireworks are getting louder and louder, and it's time for me to, to turn this thing off. So I just want to thank you for listening and, and thank those uh, people who have contacted me and said that they were listening. I appreciate that. Those kind words, and really any words, <laughs> kind or not, just to show that someone's listening, uh, are appreciated. And if you would like to get a hold of me, you can just by contacting me at feedback at Comic Book Time Machine. Uh, until next time, I just have to say thank you again for listening and Godspeed.
Thanks for listening to the Comic Book Time Machine's Marvel's Cosmic Comics feed. You can find more discussion of many, many more comics like Superman and Spider-Man, What Ifs and Elseworlds, The Six Million Dollar Man and Batman, comics seven days old and seven decades old, on our main feed, which you can find on iTunes or at comicbooktimemachine.com. We'd also love it if you join us on Facebook at facebook.com or on Twitter, where we are at Comic Time. 